Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Thursday, May the 21st, as we barrel towards an early Memorial Day weekend. Pretty exciting. Uh, it feels like we've uh, accomplished something to, to make it to Memorial Day weekend and uh, hopefully sports on the horizon, you know, and obviously we've gone back and forth. This baseball thing will continue to, I'm sure, over the next few weeks, um, but hopefully sports are, are closer than further as, uh, as we continue to trudge along again, March 11th, the last time sports were played, it's absolutely insane to think that we as Americans have gone two and a half months without any sport of any kind is really a a crazy thing that has never happened in any of our lifetimes. So um, certainly continue to uh, to get through this and uh, help each other out and be there for each other and all that and hopefully provide some entertainment and distraction. So let's dive in. Um, coming up in just a few, uh, as we mentioned before, once and for all week at WIP, we've talked about the 2008 Phillies on this show on Tuesday, who was the most important member of that team? The correct answer is, of course, Chase Utley. Um, but uh, also some other fun once and for all type of debates I want to get into. And we'll, we'll continue this moving forward. And stuff. just want to mention a couple of things today. And then tomorrow is Gabe Kapler Day at WIP. So we'll talk a little Gabe Kapler here tomorrow as well. Be consistent and get the Kapler thing going. Um, Kapler versus Joe G. Kapler, why didn't work here? All that type of stuff. That'll be fun to reminisce about the recent past there but um quickly before getting into um a couple other ones for all things i just wanted to mention and touch on briefly maybe not in the full depth they deserve today but quickly um a couple notes about baseball and the work to return and all that um jeff Pazin tweeting out just a little bit ago um the major league baseball players association intends to respond to the mlb's 67 page health and safety operations draft today an MLBPA official tells ESPN the union declined publicly uh, to publicly offer specifics on the substance of the response, but said in a statement, quote unquote, the union has spent the past several days carefully reviewing the manual and gathering feedback from its medical experts and players across the league, including a three and a half hour video conference with 100 plus player leaders on Monday night. And we expect to provide our initial feedback to the league today, Passon follows that up by saying the MLBPA's response should represent a step forward 
in negotiations with the league on striking a broader deal for baseball to return. While there remains a chasm with regards to pay, the shared interest of health and safety should provide groundwork for further discussion. So that is good to hear, good to know. And again, you know, get through the chasm. Enough of this. As we've said a million times, figure it out. This is getting ridiculous. Money cannot be the reason that you don't come back to play. It is unacceptable. That is point blank how I feel. I'm sure how many people feel, and, and it's as simple as that. Um, all right. A couple other quick notes before we uh, have a little fun with a couple of, of classic debates. Um, first, um, uh, Jim Salisbury also today putting an article saying that the Phillies likely to stay in Philly for spring training too. Salisbury says, and I quote, if Major League Baseball and the Players Association can successfully hammer out plans for half a season, teams would need to come together for spring training too. The question is, where? Will teams return to their spring training sites in Florida and Arizona or simply hold camps in their regular home ballparks? Salisbury says it is likely that the Phillies will train in Philadelphia. According to multiple sources, nothing is certain because there are so many big-picture details to work out, but the plan is being discussed. Salisbury says MLB, provided it reaches agreement with the union on safety and salary matters and receives approval from government health officials, would like to start the season in early July. The general consensus is the players would need three weeks to get ready. That means camps would open in the neighborhood of June 10th to the 15th. And he says, could the Phillies pull off a spring training at Citizens Bank Park? Absolutely. Phillies still have 53 players on their spring roster, but there's two spacious clubhouses in the ballpark that would allow players to spread out, provided they're even allowed to use the clubhouse. There are five outdoor pitchers mounds at the ballpark and more across the street at the team's Urban Youth Academy and FDI Park. The Youth Academy has two full-size diamonds if extra field space is needed. The Phillies also have ownership stakes in their AAA club in Allentown, their AA club in Reading, so those ballparks could be utilized if necessary. Uh, Salisbury goes on. He says, It appears as if clubs will be allowed to make their own decisions on where to hold their respective camps by training at the regular home ballparks. Players would have to go through the initial health protocols at only one facility as opposed to doing it at their spring trading site, then again at the regular season site. He says, if the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Yankees uh, or the New York teams were to hold camps at their home parks, the Phillies would have some logical partners for ex exhibition games. Otherwise, Phillies players could get live reps in intra-squad games. He says, again, the details are being worked out um, and goes on to talk about um, what Major League Baseball is trying to do. So that's good news. You know, I think that's, uh, look, it's, Again, for me, it's all positive that they're even thinking about how they're going to do it and what they're going to do. You know, I know that uh, sounds simple, but it is true. You know, that is uh, it's a big deal. And um, hopefully, um, hopefully they can figure out all the, the BS that we've talked about, the, the money stuff, and get it straight so that we can, um, we can have baseball. Um, and uh, it's incredibly important. I think we all uh, feel that way. Um, also, quickly, um, on the uh, interesting note from Joel Sherman uh, today as well, um, uh, Joel Sherman and Buster Olney have suggested that MLBPA is in what has become a rare position in recent years, one in which it has leverage over the league and its owners, so this is in terms of, of returning to play, 
while the players needn't simply accept the league's 50-50 revenue split, both Sherman and Olney highlight the manners in which they could use the current stalemate as a means of negotiating longer-term wins. For example, service time manipulation, anti-tanking measures in exchange for a 2020 agreement the owners favor more uh, the owners deem more favorable. So interesting note from those guys talking about the idea that um, the players, based on the fact they have the deal in early March and the fact the owners would lose a lot of money, have a, a, a real bit of leverage here in that, that while maybe you know they've been talking about, oh, we won't budge on a penny less than our period salaries, that could be posturing, public posturing, and basically saying, hey, you know, behind closed doors, they're saying, you know, we won't budge on that unless... You change this about service time. We hate that that minor leaguers can't, you know, have to the the way you you know uh, um, mess with service time. The way you know we won't see Spencer Howard come up till end of May because of service time. All that type of stuff. Um, that they could use that as a, a way to to get something they want changed for for down the road. I think is a fascinating thought, and it's what I've always thought. I, again, to sum it up, I think they'll figure it out. I think Rob Manfred and everyone involved will say. We are not going to screw this up. This would be the worst look for baseball ever. We'll figure it out. What will it take for you to back off this and move on to this or whatever? And then they'll figure it out. And that's what I think will happen. And that's what I hope happens. Because, again, it looks ridiculous to be fighting over money publicly now with all that is going on. I think we can all agree on that. All right. um, Let's have a little fun. Let's, uh, let's talk a few once and for all debates, just a couple things um, to mention. We'll, we'll have more fun. We'll get into some more current debates. I know we're going to talk Gabe tomorrow, but Matt Klentak, good GM, bad GM. That'd be a fun one to discuss. John Middleton, good owner, bad owner. That'd be a fun one to discuss, too. There, there are a lot of debates, so to speak, that we can discuss, but a few that I just felt like I had to mention during the once and for all week. And obviously, we can go into these deeper down the road, but I teased it the last couple of days quickly. Uh, Mitch Williams and the 93 Phillies, I think, is the, the number one debate that you see discussed when it comes to the Phillies. You know, it's kind of like the the go-to, you know, were the Phillies wrong? Did they handle it wrong? It makes a lot of sense. Like, they lost the World Series on the final pitch. And, in fact, ESPN, um, about a month ago, um, oh, excuse even longer, April 30th, um, so almost a month ago, um, did the biggest debate for all 30 MLB teams. And, of course, the biggest debate they had for the Philadelphia Phillies was, was it a mistake to have Mitch Williams out there in Game 6 of the 1993 World Series? And then the article says, and this is uh, from Dave Schoenfield, who I really like. I think Schoenfield's terrific. You know, did the Sweet Spot blog for a long time. Just a really, really good baseball guy. Schoenfield writes, I'll never forget watching this game with my dad. When Jim Bergosi brought Williams in to protect a 6-5 lead, my dad looks at me and says, why the hell is he bringing this guy in to pitch in this game? 21 pitches later, Phillies fans were asking the same question after Joe Carter blasted his World Series winning home run. When I first examined this question, my initial thought was, this was a good case of second-guessing. Williams blew the save, ergo, it was a bad decision, forgetting that Williams had saved 43 games that season. Tightrope or not, he usually got the job done. Yes, he had pitched poorly in game four, quite poorly, um, allowing three runs and two thirds of an inning. But in his previous five postseason appearances that year, he had allowed just one earned run in seven innings. But then, this is Schoenfield, so then I think back to watching the game and you knew Williams was going to blow it. 
In fact, his blown save in Game 4 was his third blown save of the season. He had bl- of the postseason. He had blown save opportunities in Games 1 and 5 of the National Championship Series, although the Phillies managed to win both of those games. Factoring his poor outing in Game 4 of the World Series, his entire postseason line entering the game, read 7 and 2 thirds innings, 5 runs, 9 hits, 5 walks, 6 strikeouts. Then there are the specifics of the situation he was entering. The leadoff hitter for the Jays in the bottom of the ninth was Ricky Henderson. So if you wanted the best all-time at drawing walks with the platoon advantage against a pitcher who had trouble throwing strikes. Larry Anderson had gotten the final two outs of the eighth and held righties to a 199 average that year. He should have at least faced Henderson. Henderson walked, Paul Molitor singled with one out, and then Joe Carter homered. Williams never should have been in there. Um, Here's the thing. I agree, and I think we all agree. I think that's the funny thing about this classic Phillies debate is I don't really think there's anyone who thought that Fergosi handled that right. At least I haven't met anyone who's really, you know, thinks that bringing Mitch in in that, in that particular spot was the right decision. Like Schoenfield pointed out, if nothing else, have Larry Anderson face Henderson. Um, I think most people agree. Mitch Williams should not have brought in there. I don't, I don't, it's funny because it is a classic debate. It's been discussed. It's been critiqued. But I don't find many people in the sense of a classic debate where you get 50 on one side and 50 on the other, whatever it is. Like, this doesn't feel like one of those because it's never really felt like I've interacted with anyone who thought it was the right decision to bring in Mitch Williams there. Maybe I'm sure there's someone out there. I'm sure someone listening right now is like, well, I did. And you're wrong. But I, I never thought it was the right call to, to bring Mitch in. So I feel like that debate's pretty settled. Here's my bigger take on the whole thing, and, and maybe my old take on the thing is, honestly, truly, I don't think it mattered. I don't think it mattered. That Blue Jays team was awesome. That Blue Jays team had three Hall of Famers in the lineup, and that's not even talking about Joe Carter. That Blue Jays team was awesome. not even talking about Tony Fernandez and other guys who were like borderline and then maybe not Hall of Famers, but really great baseball players, longtime Major League players. That was a stacked team. That Blue Jays team was just among the best. Ricky Henderson, Paul Molitor, Roberto Alomar, both are all Hall of Famers. And, and Henderson and, and Alomar, you could argue, are inner circle Hall of Famers, high level baseball Hall of Famers. That Blue Jays team was awesome. And they were home. And I feel like even if you, you know, look, if you can win that game, if you if you keep L.A. in and then maybe Mitch comes in and isn't facing Anderson to start off the inning and get out of it or whatever, which I still don't think happens. I, I think they lose no matter what. But even going to a game seven and great, yeah, you know, Schilling had pitched the, the gem in game five. Gem, complete gamer. I, I don't think you can have Schilling back. You know, maybe, maybe you could. Um, and maybe he gives you what he's got. And Schilling, as we know, historically since then, has become even more of a legend in terms of post-game, postseason pitching. An all-timer, a World Series MVP himself, along with Randy Johnson that year. So um, who knows? But I think the bigger takeaway from that is, is as much as we malign Mitch, as much as we rel- malign Fergosi, and, and, and in a sense, like I said, rightfully so, because it was the wrong call, and they did lose, um, but I do think that, that the real biggest takeaway from it is they weren't going to win anyway. That Blue Jays team was too good. Back-to-back champs, way too talented. I think that's my, my number one takeaway of the 93 Phillies is, is they would have lost anyway. 
and and yeah, it was the wrong call, but it, it, the fact that the 1993 Phillies got it to Game Six of the World Series against those guys to begin with is impressive enough. There's a reason that we look back on that '93 team as such a lovable group and a team that we really care about. Even though you know, in hindsight, it's funny because some of these guys have not aged well from a a public likability perspective. I mean, the fact that it's a team with Dykstra and Schilling on it. I mean. Come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's not likable. Likable is not the word you would come to, but um, they were. They were uh, They were amazing, and they were super fun, and they really would have run. But I think it ended in the right place. I wish they had won, obviously, but the Blue Jays were better. They were just a better team. They were a better team. Just a better team. Like, not really a discussion. The Blue Jays were just flat out better. They were. Better pitching staff, better lineup, better bullpen. They were just better. So while it was the wrong call to bring Mitch in, I, I don't think it is something that um, is maybe worth the arguments we've had over the years because I don't think it would have mattered. Um, some other fun debates just to bring up. Speaking of teams, and this is one that I truly, I can't personally answer with the same type of authority that someone who watched both teams could, but another fun, classic, once and for all type of Phillies debate is best Phillies team, 1980 or 2008. And I know you could even argue 2009, 2009, 2010, 2011, even though you're in the World Series, but we're just going to take the two World Series champs. 08 versus 1980. We just talked about that 08 team, the depth of talent through that lineup. I mean, the big three, obviously, with Howard Rollins and Utley, but Worth, Victorino. I mean, they were just a, a good group. Chooch behind the plate. Burl. Like, they, that was a great team, a great lineup that can compete with, with all-time great lineups. I mean, they're a legit, legit great lineup and obviously Cole and and then you know question marks but guys who pitch well in big spots like Moyer and Blanton and all those guys but um really Cole carrying that and then the the Lidge Madsen combo just carrying the pen and Romero was awesome um but then you look at that 1980 team I mean Bobby Boone buying the plate Pete Rose granted an old Pete Rose at first but still Pete Rose Manny Trio, Larry Boa obviously the greatest of all time and Mike Schmidt greatest third baseman of all time greatest Philly of all time Luzinski, Maddox, Bake McBride, Lonnie Smith coming off the bench, Greg Gross coming off the bench, and then Carlton, Ruthven, you know, Bob Walk. They were a good team, man. And then Tug McGraw. Tugger was amazing that year. Tug, Tug McGraw, 146 ERA in 54 outings that year, 57 outings, excuse me. Um, Ron Reed in the pen. I mean, they were – here's the thing. I didn't watch him. And I think the level of competition they beat to get there was probably more impressive. That Astros team was legit. The Royals of 80, of 80 were definitely better than the Tampa Bay Rays of 2008. I don't think there's any question about that. The Royals, I mean, that was a team that won the World Series a few years later, five years later. Um, I think it's a fun debate. I think um, you could argue both ways. And certainly when you look at the success the 08 team had, um, in that run from 07 to 11, granted the Phillies were, were really good in the late 70s and early 80s as well. I think it's the 80 team. Again, this is not one that I can talk about with, with extreme confidence because I didn't see the 80 team in the moment. But I think everything I know about the 80 team, everything they did, I think it's probably the 80 team. I think you have to take the 80 team over 08. But man, that was a... Um, it's a fun discussion, and I would like if you were old enough to see it, if you watch both of them, please let me know what you think because your opinion is more valid than mine, but I, I think it's probably the 80 team. I feel like we can get stuck in the team we watched being the best because we watched them. 
I think in reality, it was probably the 80 team. And, you know, just Schmidt and Carlton alone better than anyone, any hitter and any pitcher on the 08 team. It's not close, you know, and I love Hamels and I love Utley and all those guys, but you're talking about the best third baseman of all time, one of the five best left-handed pitchers of all time. I mean, you can't compete with that. And I think just as a team, the way they played, I'd probably take Dallas Green over Charlie uh, Manuel. It's close, though, um, for a one-game, one-season type of thing. It's close. Um, Manuel, probably the best Phillies manager of all time when you put it all together, um, all the, the numbers, all the history. But it's a fun one to debate, and I wish I could debate even better, but I, I think I'd go 80. Um, a couple other quick ones. I think uh, best Philly of all time, it's yeah, Mike Schmidt. <laughs> we don't, there's no ones and for all about that. That is about as easy This is a decision as it gets. Um, most underrated and most overrated, very quickly. Um Again, this is a in my lifetime thing. I think, look, I think, again, not my lifetime, not someone I got to see play a lot, but Dick Allen, I think, is generally one of the more underrated players in the history of baseball. So, certainly one of the more underrated Phillies players. Um, again, I can't say as well. I know during my lifetime, I would put Jason Worth there. I think Jason Worth, still to this day, is one of the most underrated Phillies I've ever seen. Um, what he did, certainly in big spots, too. And what a clutch guy Jason Worth was. He came through when it mattered the most, was a was a beast, had really some great years here. I think Worth criminally underrated and underappreciated, really. Um, but I think Dick Allen, probably the correct answer all time, and um, I'm sure there's some other names, old school and stuff like that. Um, but Dick Allen's probably the most underrated of all time. Dick Allen might be a Hall of Famer, like a borderline Hall of Famer, and it's certainly not talked about that way. And granted, played in other places as well, but... Really had a good run here in Philly and doesn't get the credit or respect that he deserves, um, or even close. Um, overrated, I don't really have a, a specific one. Um, I, I do think it's funny because I think that Bobby Abreu is both overrated and underrated. Um, pure numbers-wise, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. He was a great, great player, but he's also someone, and that's the underrated part of it, but from the overrated part, it's someone who... I mean, you never felt like a winner to me. It never felt like a, a team that Bobby Abreu was on was going to be a winner, and uh, here at least. It, just the way he went about his business, there wasn't a, you know, he didn't have that, that thing that kind of made you feel special when you watch Bobby Abreu. But in, in reality, he's probably underrated. I mean, probably is. You know, just numbers-wise, certainly. I mean, numbers-wise, he's incredibly underrated. I mean, his career numbers and what he did in Major League Baseball are, are really astounding, actually. He was a great – again, Bobby Abreu is a borderline Hall of Fame type player just from a numbers perspective. He, I don't think he was one, but he's close. And uh, so he's probably underrated too. Um, it's a fun one. It's a fun discussion. But I think the biggest takeaway, underrated Dick Allen. And I think Jason Worth incredibly underrated too. Um, these are fun types of things to discuss. We'll have to get into this more. Maybe I'll do a full list of overrated and underrated Phillies coming up. Um, in the next couple of weeks and, and take some more time and dive into 80 and 2008. Cause I think that'd be fun to, to get some other opinions on that. People actually watch the 80 team and what they did and what that meant. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, oh, by the way, most hateable Philly of all time. And he wasn't even a Philly, but it's JD drew. And I'm just putting that out there. Not a JD drew fan. I don't think anyone has granted. Never really played a game with the Phillies. So, you know, I mean, and, and the way it's aged, you know, you could say Dykstra or something like that, but in the moment we love Lenny. Love that guy in the moment, just not now. Um, I think J.D. Drew, for what that guy did, uh, obviously incited batteries being thrown at him, um, but just refused to play here. So we didn't want you, any, we didn't want you anyway, J.D. 
Um, so tomorrow, we'll have a little fun. We'll dive into the Gabe Kapler of it all, Joe G, how it all has played out, what it means, um, how I think Kapler will do in San Francisco. Um, it should be fun. It should be fun. Maybe we'll, we'll tie a bow on the Gabe Kapler of it all. It's once and for alls is the slogan. Uh, and and if, you, if you are around, listen, tomorrow, WIP, Joe Giglio is doing 16 straight hours on the air defending Gabe Kapler, which is a remarkable thing. A remarkable thing. Joe Giglio just uh, bringing it tomorrow. So shout out to Giglio. That is a really, that's something. 16 hours of people pounding you about Gabe Kapler and you're fighting back the entire time is noble, to say the least. And I will be there ripping on him. So it'll be uh, it'll be fun to see what happens. It should be a lot of fun. So tune in for that on Sports WP. And again, tomorrow here, Phillies Day, we will dive into the Kapler of it all. What went wrong? Why it went wrong? Why he didn't work here? Um, the difference from going to Kapler, Joji, how we'll do in San Francisco, all that. There should be a lot of, of fun angles to it. So um, we'll dive into that tomorrow and, and settle the debate once and for all. This once and for all stuff has been fun. I'm sure we'll carry it forward as well. As we continue to also just pay attention to what's happening and hopefully baseball is creeping closer and closer. So until tomorrow and until we're almost Memorial Day weekend, we're right there. So uh, until tomorrow, stay safe, stay healthy. And again, thank you for listening. To another edition of Phillies Today, right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.